Hello, everyone. Today, I have a very special guest. Today, I'm speaking to Carolyn. She is a CEO and a co-founder of ROI Swift. Now, this is an agency that is basically what they do is they help people that's doing Amazon things with paid advertising like Google and Facebook and YouTube and all of these amazing things. Now, I myself I always struggle with driving Facebook ads and things like that. So it is really refreshing to speak to somebody that is an expert in their field in this. And uh, Carolyn is a mom of two and she's also a licensed pilot. Now, that is something I really want to dive into because I think that is pretty cool. Welcome to season nine of Unleash Your Focus podcast, the number one place to be to start, grow, or scale your online business. This season, we have stepped it up. I am not just diving in behind the scenes to understand what makes these entrepreneurs successful, but throughout season nine, we will be giving away prizes every single week that you can win books, courses, coaching programs, vouchers, and so much more. You will not just get the knowledge from the experts on the actual episode, but we will send you a transcription on email every single week with a summary and a call to action that you can implement in your business. To qualify for prices, please make sure that you are on the email list so you don't miss out and share this with friends and family that you think needs this in their life. Go to unmutualfocus.com and register today. I can't wait to share these episodes with you. See you on the inside. Hi, Carolyn. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Joy. Thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the podcast. When I saw License Pilot, I was like, ooh, no, that's fun. Can, we, can you please tell us how the License Pilot came about and how did you actually get a license for being a pilot? Sure. So I, I grew up outside of Boston and my sister and her husband had a small plane and we used to fly to the Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard and have dinner and then fly home and I thought that was so great. I've always loved planes and uh, growing up in, outside of Boston, there was lots of great 747s, the overnight international flights. I always loved watching them take off from my office in, yeah. in downtown Boston. So that's how I sort of got into it. And then when I moved to Austin, Texas, it's a big state and it's hard to get around. So I said, this would be much easier in a plane. So while I was uh, working at Dell, I actually started my pilot's license in the evenings and eventually got my pilot's license. Finally had to stop flying when I had my first child who um, I was about eight months pregnant and I couldn't pull the yoke back far enough to, to land the plane anymore. So I said, oh, I've got to hang it up for a little bit. So I haven't flown recently with two kids and a full-time job as a CEO, but uh, it's something that I, I still am passionate about and I'm looking forward to getting back into. That is so cool. And what a nice little icebreaker because um, it's just proof, you know, that you can be a busy mom and you can still enjoy life, right? And I'm sure you will get back into it very, very soon if it's something that you're so passionate about. Can you tell us a little bit about your business and how did it, how did it start? Sure. So again, going back to Dell, I grew up outside Boston, but in 1999, Dell moved me down here, recruited me to come help with their consumer marketing group. Mm -hmm. And they were small, really kind of scrappy. People were buying their first computer and we were number six or seven in market share behind a company called Gateway that's out of business now. So okay. Apple wasn't in the top five, Gateway was above us and it was really fun and we grew it and then it became an $8 billion division. And it didn't wasn't as fun anymore when it was an $8 billion division. I realized I really love this growth stage. So after I left Dell after six and a half years, I really, after I went to a couple of companies and still worked in big corporate, I, I found after I had two kids, I, I really wanted to go small. 
And I went to this small mom and baby company that was doing about $3 million a year and ran all of their Amazon and e-commerce. I was a team of one and I just had to do everything and figure it out and, and 5X them. And then they eventually got bought by Reckitt Benkiser, who owns Lysol, Mucinex, Airwick, Derwick, you name it. And it, um, I really found my passion for these small businesses. So I started ROI Swift in 2015 and um, it's been six years and we've helped, gosh, a couple of hundred brands now. And our goal is to help a thousand emerging brands by 2030. That is so, so awesome. So you're not just, you, you just, you didn't just create a business. You're actually, you're creating a movement because people, you're helping so many people around you. What inspires, what inspires you every day to keep going on what you are doing? Yeah, we asked ourselves and our team that all the time. If someone gave you a million dollars tomorrow, would you, why would you still come to work? What would make you still come to work? Yeah. And what we found is it's not all about the money. You know, we're not, Facebook or Google and we we don't um, pay you a ton of money and, and give you free lunches and do your dry cleaning and get your dog groomed and all the other things that um, big tech companies can offer but what we find is that everybody's really passionate about what, what they do and we realize that these emerging brands you know most of our brands are anywhere from three to 30 million they don't have a shot they can't afford some hot shot from Nike or Starbucks or someone who's a $250,000 digital marketing expert. So we're really passionate about leveling the playing field for these emerging brands. We have a saying, like if Nike wanted to hire us, we would say no, like we're, we would say no to Nike. Yeah. And that is actually so cool. I myself work with small brands and small businesses because I, I like you say, it's leveling the playing field because a lot of companies, they just can't afford those big price tags. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. and it is, it's, it's, I think it's more rewarding personally for me. It's more rewarding to see small businesses pop up because we can actually help them more, right? Um, so what is your, if you say, for example, a small business of say a one-man band come to you and they start up their business, what would your process be to take them through from start to basically where they can start generating money? Yeah, we typically don't work with true, true startups because you do need a little bit of money yes. to get enough statistically significant data. Most of our brands are maybe five or six people and maybe they're doing, mm -hmm. they're starting at 50 or $100,000 a month um, on their, you know, on their direct to consumer website. But normally we have a whole playbook for top of funnel, brand new customers, all the way down to people who are familiar with your brand and so on. On um, and so that's how we do it on the e-commerce side. On the marketplace side, we basically have a a playbook that has worked for every single brand we've ever worked with for Amazon. So we have a, a killer image listing playbook. We have a uh, advertising playbook, and um, it's really nice. It's sort of like rinse and repeat. Um, it hasn't not worked for us, so it's nice to have. You know, you can help as many brands as as know about us. Yeah. And that's, I like the word playbook. Um, I'm part of a coaching program slash black, lots of learning things every month. And, and I learn myself a lot from playbooks. I think playbooks are very, they're very, it's a very smart way to actually start learning and implementing things in your business. Uh, how did you come around with actually creating playbooks for your, for your customers? Was that like a long process? Is it something that just, that you developed as, as it went along or how did you do that? 
Yeah, I think one of my biggest lessons as, you know, I I worked in in big corporate. I had HR, I had finance, I had all these, you know, divisions. And then you, you go and you start a company and, you know, you're less than 20 people and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I am the HR and I am the finance and <laughs> I've got to figure this out, right? Yeah. And um, one of the best things we did a couple of years ago is we we implemented EOS, the Entrepreneur's Operating System. Mm-hmm. And so now we have all of these processes documented and onboarding new clients and onboarding new team members is so much easier once you have a system and you have your processes documented and you can just slot things in and it's not what I found was even at Dell you know there was so much tribal knowledge that was in people's heads and it's really hard to create that great repeatable process unless you have that so we highly recommend you know the traction book and the EOS operating system for any entrepreneur um, just go out and read that book if you haven't because it's it's everything from hiring to processes to growth all of that came out of when we started doing the EOS system that is actually one of my top reads that I've got on my list of reading books in the next couple of months so that's my holiday reading I don't do I, I do business holiday reading I know my life is boring <laughs> but that's, I just love it <laughs> Is that Carolyn, being a mom, I'm also a mom of two kids. So I completely understand the struggle that comes with entrepreneurship and having a business and doing all like you've got so much going on at the same time. How do you juggle all of that? Yes, well, I would ask you the same thing because you seem to have it all together, Joy. <laughs> I you don't answer first, <laughs> then I'm happy to answer. <laughs> No, I do not. And that's why it's always fun to ask this question to moms, because it's it's nice to see what other people are doing. And maybe you can learn from them, which is also good. Yes, well, um, I would say that prioritization and outsourcing as much as you can, you know, you, you have an assistant for the longest time I didn't. And the best thing I did was hire a 20 hour a week assistant. And she's here and, and she's a mom. And so she works 930 to 1230 drops her kids picks them up. And then she works an hour in the evening and it is the best thing ever. I'm not sending out contracts. I'm not sending out documents. You know, we're a fairly small company. And so figure out what you can offload, right? What are those repeatable trainable processes you can offload? And that frees me up to have more time to spend time with people like you and, and to help others. So I feel like ruthless prioritization and we do those quarterly planning sessions and we work on two to three big things each, each quarter. And then, um, and then all the little stuff, you just have to let it go. Yeah. It's so true what you say. Um, I was actually part of a, a coaching program that taught me how to put systems and things in place. And this is probably like almost two years ago now. And one of the very first things I learned was priority, prioritization. I can't even pronounce that word being, you know, prioritizing everything in your calendar. And it's amazing. Like when you do that, that you actually get time. It's, it's, you see what the things that you actually do that you should not be doing. Is that something that you found as well, that you were doing things you should not really be doing in your business? Exactly. Exactly. So our, my admin now, she does a lot of the contract uploading or, um, you know, there's just so many things that I'm able to offload, um, yeah. finance, HR, she's done an amazing job. She screens all our initial candidates. We put in bamboo HR as an HR system, which has made our lives so much easier. So we're all about efficiency. So what can we do better, faster, cheaper? Mm-hmm. And we will constantly put money after software or performance improvements. So we spent 
you know, $10,000 on a custom reporting solution that we built for our Amazon clients. And it's amazing. And it's a hundred times better than anything you can get from Amazon. Oh, and by the way, it frees up 40 hours a month for our team members. Like they get a whole week back. Nice. Um, so those are things that we're constantly looking for improvements to how can we be more efficient and what are we doing that's repeatable and manual that we can automate? Yeah. And it's so that word automate, that is like exactly the key. Again, automation is, is so important in business. What has been your biggest challenge so far in your entrepreneurial journey? Well, as, as most entrepreneurs know, sometimes it can be lonely, right? When you are, <laughs> you're the only person sitting in that seat. So yeah. For me, it's been it's been great to have joined Entrepreneurs Organization, the global EO network. Um, I've had amazing conversations about finance with people in Singapore, in Germany, in New Zealand, even, and um, that has just been wonderful for me to have that sort of peer group of other CEOs to learn from, and then. Um, I think that's the hardest part is just never knowing what you don't know right I worked. Uh, this was the first business I started and uh, I did it in my late forties. And so there wasn't a playbook for me. And so I think that that's probably a lot of the challenges as, as you know, and others know entrepreneurship is just a series of ups and downs and you, you ride out the downs and you enjoy the highs while you can. Um, but it's not, it's not a linear, you go in every day and punch a clock. It's some days are fabulous and some days are just oh, heart, heart wrenching. Yeah. It is so true. And I love the fact that you are, you know, you have this opportunity to actually speak to peers and learn from people. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I started this podcast is so other people can learn for people like yourself, you know, being an expert in your field, you can share your knowledge and help other people. And, um, you know, obviously give them the opportunity to, to, you know, for you to inspire them. What has been your biggest success of so far that you feel has, and it, it doesn't need to be business, it can be personal too, but what has been your biggest success that you feel in the last few years that, you know, it's like your, yeah, this is the biggest thing that I've achieved that I'm proud of. Um, well, I think getting two kids through COVID, I'm pretty proud of. Um, <laughs> That's being a badass mom, yes. I have an 11 and a 14 year old and just the fact that they survived COVID, I, I sort of am pretty pleased by that. But in terms of business, um, there was this brand that we took, there were two guys in a WeWork and um, we grew them to over 12 million in 18 months just on Facebook and Instagram ads. And now they are going to be a $2 billion business by 2025. Wow. Um, it, it's just amazing. And when they came to us, they were with another agency in New York and they asked us to look at what they were doing. They were six months old. I said, they're lighting your money on fire. And this, this hurts me. This personally hurts me that they're taking your money. They're charging you all these agency fees and they're doing a horrible job for you. And, and that's what sort of breaks my heart is to see, you know, these people would have been out of business eventually if they'd stayed with them. So I'm personally proud of the fact that I've added it up. We've created over 200 jobs in Austin through the growth of our, you know, brands that we've worked with. Wow. That is amazing. And that is something to be so incredibly proud of. So well done, Carolyn. That is something really, really awesome. What do you, what do you contribute to your success? I think there's definitely a component of luck. You know, I was lucky enough to I've taken this job at the small mom and baby company and then 
I, one of the founders introduced me to someone else and said, hey, everyone needs a digital marketing, a good digital marketing agency. There's so many bad snake oil salesmen out there. Mm-hmm. So I feel I was just really lucky to have taken a job at this company and this person introduced me and they said, hey, why don't we just start a company, you know, and I never would have done that on my own. So I really, you know, I think there's a, a definitely a, a component of luck and the universe just sort of dropping things. But I also think that, um, you know, persistence, tenacity, I also say, if you need something done, give it to a busy mom, because I will tell you, busy moms just get stuff done. Mm -hmm. Um, My admin's a busy mom. She's probably one of the most productive people I know who works four hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is actually amazing. I think I agree with you because most of the people that I know that are super productive are busy moms. They just know how to streamline things. I think it comes naturally, right? (laughs) We just created that, I think, in some way, shape or form. Uh, you see, I've got a big sign behind me, hashtag goals. What is the way, this has been a joke actually um, with coaching that I did and just, you know, encouraging the students to get their bumps in gear and actually do their goals. So if they see the big goals behind me, they're going to, now I'm going to preach for them to do this. But what is, what is your method of setting goals? Yeah, so we will look at... Um, we usually set them on a 90 day, 90 day goal. We have our 10 year goal, which is to help a thousand emerging brands by 2030. But we sort of chunk that down into 90 day goals. And that's, that's the way we look at it. Okay. If we want to get here in three years and we want to get here in 10 years, what do we need to do in the next 90 days that'll get us there? So we sort of chunk out. If you just take a goal and you don't break it down into like milestones or smaller goals, it just seems overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And then I'm assuming you do your 60 and your 30 day targets as well along with that. We typically only do quarterly just the way that our business is. Um, We don't, we don't so much do 30 and 60 days, but we really look at what do we need to accomplish in these next 90 days? Um, Things that are smaller chunks like that just become to do's, right? They just become Asana tasks, but you know, things that require a little bit of time to achieve. Yeah. Now that is actually, yeah, I completely agree with you on that because um, because I find even in my business, because my podcast is my fun thing that I mentioned to you before we pushed record, but I actually have a marketing agency and I've got a coaching program. So it's it's all syncing with each other, but it's still, you know, it's technically two different businesses. Um, and I completely do the same, you know, you're 90 days and then we break it down to little daily tasks even, but it's true what you say, because it becomes a to-do list. And that's when you like have your virtual assistant actually taking off some tasks, right? Um, so Carolyn, what is your routine looking like? Because what I found, you probably close to like number 80, like eight zero people I've interviewed so far on my podcast. And one thing that I found that is quite, I would say almost similar is people routines. And you, obviously your routine is different than other people, but I found that people that have routine structure in their business and in their life are the ones that tend to be more successful. So what is your routine looking like on a daily basis? Oh, I wish I, I wish I was, I had more routine and, and regimen in my day. Um, I do. The one thing I do do is I have my Fitbit and I get in my, during the week, 8,000 steps. And so it doesn't matter how I do it, if it's at lunch or if it's while I'm taking conference calls. Um, And then Friday, I usually block three hours for clarity break or strategic work where I unplug, get away from technology, walk outside with just a a legal pad and a pen. 
and you just let your mind go. And, or you, you, you know, and, and if you can't go for three hours, you know, you, you just think about everything within your business, like taking a break from working in your business to working on your business. And then if you have extra time, you just bring a business book and you're like, okay, I've, these are all the things that I've come up with. And it's amazing when you take those clarity breaks, I usually try and block off Friday afternoons to not do any client meetings or client work and just think more about the business, where we're going, um, or do some, you know, personal and, and leadership growth in that time. Yeah. And it's so important to unplug. I completely agree with you. It's, um, yeah, I do that as well on a Friday. I do take a few hours. So Friday is just like a good day to do it, right? It's just an awesome day. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you can help people in your business and how they can reach you and basically how they can get involved with you in some way, shape or form and how you can help them? Sure. Um, you can go to our lousy website. We don't spend any time on our website. We spend all our time working on our clients' business. So you can reach us at roiswift.com and, um, you, or where you can find us on LinkedIn and, and connect with us there. Um, if you're interested in just finding a little bit more about me or the journey or basically everything I've learned, successes and failures over the last 20 years, my book is available on Amazon. It's called Business Do's and Don'ts. And it basically is all my successes and failures over the last 20 years. And uh, I wrote them all in a book. Everyone kept telling me you should write a book. And so I finally did. Nice. That's awesome. We will definitely put the links below. Like, as I mentioned before, this show is like, this show is for people to get inspired and to basically, when they're stuck in business, they get inspiration and they learn things. But what advice do you have for somebody that is stuck or they want to start a business, but they're not sure what to do? What advice would you have for somebody like that? Great question. I would say talk to as many people as you can. You know, I was struggling with something in my business and go out and get as many experience shares as you can. In, in entrepreneurs organization, we call them experience shares versus um, advice. Because if someone gives you advice and it goes wrong, it's not great. But if you, if you say, oh, I had a similar situation, here's what I did in that situation versus here's what you should do. I'm really trying to get, especially in my marriage as well, trying to take out the, you should do this. That doesn't, that never goes well, right? Giving advice. So we're really, really looking to have as many conversations as you can. And you would be amazed how many folks like my old boss at, at from Dell, he's still a mentor of mine and just you it let at least in Austin, people are so willing to help. There's a women's angel network that I mentor and I do office hours and I give away my time for free. And I, I just say find a great network or just talk to as many people as you can, have as many coffees as you can, have a goal of having three coffees a week, right? If you're thinking about starting a business, um, that's where I've learned so much is just from having conversations with people. Yeah, that is amazing advice and learning from mentors and like I say in the beginning peers, it's like it's so important to learn from that. That's great advice, guys. I would I would strongly recommend to get three coffees a week. And I mean, that's easily doable, right? It's like maybe half an hour to an hour a week, uh, well, a coffee per week. So it's very doable to, to fit that into your schedule. Karen, as a last question, do you have anything that I might have missed that you can give people advice on or um, share with with them? Yeah, I, there's so much more. Again, uh, most of it is in the book that I wrote, but um, 
The other thing that I would say that I've learned along the way, especially in hiring, is definitely trust your gut. Um, we've hired a lot of folks that didn't work out, and I learned that the hard way. And so uh, there's definitely a trust your gut, whether it's hiring, business direction, software, you know, spending money. Definitely there's, you know, you can look at everything. And then at the end of the day, you just got to go with your gut. So, yeah. I love that. And it is true, you know, feel, feel that's with what it. Warren Buffett does. Yeah. yeah, that's the companies that Warren Buffett buys is ones that he personally likes. Like he liked these candies. So he went and bought them, you know? Yeah, no, that is true. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate your time on the podcast today. And thank you so much for sharing your golden nuggets and inspiring the audience. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Joy.